And a presupposition of that conversation is this idea that there's two races that you can run. One is the with God race, and one is on your own race, or maybe with your own dreams type of race. And today we're going to be looking at one of the sheer indicators that you are indeed running a race with God. And the main idea involves surrounding yourself with a, 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 a certain group of people. And it's not necessarily what you think. It's not just good old Christian community, though that does matter. It does matter. And, and Hebrews 10.25 says, hey, let us not give up meeting together as some of their habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more until you see the day of the Lord approaching. It's not just about hanging with good Christian community. It's, it's about a different demographic, so to speak. Even as you look at that Hebrews verse, if you look at the verse before it, there's a call. It says, let us not give up meeting together, as some of the habit of doing. But prior to that, it says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. And one of the greatest ways that we can spur one another towards love and good deeds is to serve the least of these, as Scripture calls it. And one serves the least of these by surrounding oneself with the least of these. And I, I balk at using the statement, the least of these, by the way. I don't like that. Um, but Jesus uses it. And in Jesus' upside-down kingdom, the least of these actually are our greatest apostles. They're our greatest prophets, greatest evangelists. Those who are on the margins and in broken places are our greatest shepherds and teachers. They're the greatest in the kingdom. Blessed are the poor and poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So they have much, much, much more to offer us than we have to offer them. And yet, if we have been given much, we've been asked to give much. And that's what today's about. That's what it's about, is serving these, the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, as Jesus says. So I'm just going to jump into our scripture, because today is one part homily and one part corporate discernment. And I'm excited about that part. So let's jump into the scripture. Matthew 25, verses 31 to 45. This is Jesus' last teaching before the passion, before he officially is uh, in his final moments, his final hours prior to the cross. Last teaching that Matthew records. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people, one from another, as a shepherd separates a sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Verse 37, Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did 
For one of the least of these, brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he said to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. So that's God's word for us this morning. This is Jesus ending his Holy Week teaching with convicting truth. And and there's not a lot I need to say to decorate this passage. The convicting truth is quite clear. If we're not around hurting people in broken environments, much less freely serving others in this way, we are likely not following Jesus. We can call Jesus Lord and God, and that is true, but our hearts and even our own bodies may be very far from God. So so the simple idea is this, is that a saved person serves the marginalized. It's part of their routine. They almost unknowingly serve the marginalized in due time. And I will say this was early on in my days like kind of a scary passage, especially if you're one who's prone to shame. But I actually think it can be kind of comforting because if your heart is warm towards another, whoever that other is, then it's pretty clear that God is working in and through your life. So this is a great opportunity for self-evaluation. Is this idea of desiring and serving the marginalized part of our routine? Do you think about it in the way you think about brushing your teeth or getting eight hours of sleep or movie nights on Friday nights or your work week or hanging out with loved ones? Is this part of our mindset? And if so, why? And if not, why? Because if a saved person serves marginalized, for sure a saved people a community of believers would serve the marginalized. And that's our hope as a church. And of course, it starts with us recognizing who has served us and who has served us. It's an easy answer. It's the Lord, Jesus, yes. We've got that extra hour of sleep. We got this. We're going to crush it today. So it's helpful to pause in just some time. We're going to have some times where we're talking together, but let's get the, let's grease up the wheels a bit. Let's get talking. When was the time that God provided for you? When God provided someone or something to feed you or give you something to drink, invited you in? When God provided clothes or visited you? Being a follower of Jesus understands, means that we understand our spiritual poverty. We have a spiritual anthropology Anthropology, how do you say that word? Anthropology. It's an understanding of our humanity is that we're, we're a bit needy. If you know that you're needy, you're in a good place. To be human is to be needy. Mark, what's up, dude? Good to see you, brother. Understanding humanity is to, to know that you're needy. So once a God, once a time where God met your need in your life, it could be this week, it could have been 10 years ago, but name a time with your neighbor 
or God served you. And it could be as simple as giving you a cup of water to drink. Introverts, we'll give you about 10 seconds to think about this. Extroverts, hold on. When was the time God provided you someone to feed you, give you something to drink, invite you in, clothed you, visited you? Well, so in this passage, it's funny, there's like a lot of different perspectives of who's being talked about in this passage, whether who's being judged or like all the nations. I've heard there's like a lot of debate, whether it's Israel, believers and not the nations, and then who are the brothers and sisters? And here's what I want to say about all that. I think any over-analysis of that deflects the question of whether we as a people are serving. I mean, Matthew wrote this to his churches so that, that we would corporately discern. He wrote that to his original churches, and I think it's a gift for us to take an opportunity and be like, oh, how are we doing this as a people? How are we living this out? Moreover, like the breadth of Scripture seems to affirm that justice, mission, service, mercy. It's part of being a follower of Jesus. It's part of knowing if God's love is flowing in and through you. Proverbs 21.3, to do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Jesus quotes Hosea 6.6, for I deserve mercy, not sacrifice, an acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. It may be more honoring to God to give someone a cup of water than it is to sing a song to him. Not that anything's wrong with singing a song to God, but all songs and no cups of water doesn't seem to be what Scripture's about, what the prophets say. Speaking of prophet James, the prophet of the New Testament, he says it this way. We'll be looking at James a bit next year, which I'm excited about. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith that has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose their brothers and sisters without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? The same way faith by itself, if it is not accompanied, accompanied by action, is dead. Let's read what John says. He's like the nice guy, right? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with our words or speech, but with actions and in truth. A served person serves the marginalized. To save people, serve the marginalized. So let's get down to the nitty-gritty. How, what are some ways that we can collectively serve the least of these? As a church, we're not called, nor should we do everything. We're a limited body, but we do want to pay attention to God's stirrings, and we have been serving with these aunties and uncles ministry, and we've been sensing, hey, Lord, is there another ministry that you have for us as a church? We're just asking God that, and we want to take time to see what comes up today. And the whole goal of today is just not to figure it out, but to see what themes arise corporately, collectively, so that our leadership team and trusted voices, although you all are very much trusted, can go and discern these themes today. So this is corporate reflection. And, and a very important question for us is, not only is when God served us, obviously, but who has God placed in our life that is hungry? Who's in front of us that's thirsty or needing clothing or sick or in prison? And, and just take note as we, as we discern, this is like really simple stuff. 
sometimes churches can create mission and try to sustain a mission that needs a lot of coordination and almost like an event process to it. We need these leaders. We need to create a website for this mission. And, we need, and then the mission becomes sustaining this mission that the church creates. Instead of just like, what's in front of us, Lord? Who do you have for us? Who can we serve? And then you take those questions and you think about other practical questions. What resources do we have as a community? Where can we serve? On our own? Can we do it together? What are the opportune times? What is our gut telling us? Larry was sharing me that word compassion in the Greek, spike nisamai. It's not bad. It's not a great. It's not bad. That, that's more about your gut, your innards being drawn to something. When it says Jesus is compassionate, it was almost like he was drawn to it, like something was churning in his stomach. Kind of in the same way that we may run to the bathroom, like that's how Jesus ran to people. His stomach was just like, oh, I want to serve. That's the base meaning of that word. It's kind of weird, but it's true. That's, that's why it's interesting take. But like his stomach was just like, what is our gut telling us? What is my deep care and concern uh, allowing me, wanting me to do for the sake of others? So let's take a moment and just take time. It's going to be in groups, kind of like we're just in groups, and like who's in front of us? Who can we serve that's in front of us? And just take time in groups to talk about this um, in the same way that we did that. And so I'm going to just, we're going to take time to do that right now. Be free. Lord, help us in this process. Help us in this process. Part may require some self-control because you're like, oh, I want to share this now that I've heard this. But I want you to hold that lightly. Hold it like this, hands up. And I want to just, I mentioned hearing from two people. Uh, I, want, I want to add this to our discernment mix and then we'll kind of pause again and see what God stirs up and then we'll share again. Does that feel good? So I want to introduce you. Anybody know Claire? She's awesome. Claire's on our leadership team. She oversees two different ministries, uh, the kids' ministry alongside a few others, and then our, uh, some of our outreach ministry alongside a few others. And Claire's just going to share about some of the more organized that we're a part of. Yeah, so I'm going to share a little bit about aunties and uncles. I know we talk about that a lot. And then I'll share about um, another opportunity that we can all discern together if we want to take on. So um, our aunties and uncles ministry, if you guys don't know, I know a lot of you guys know a lot about it because we talk about it a lot, um, is kind of, we have like two big parts to it. So one part is supporting our strong families in our church when they have a hosting. Um, so I just wanted to mention that the Faulkners are having a hosting all week starting tomorrow. Um so if you would like to support them, they could really use a meal tomorrow night um, because Matt will be out of town until Tuesday. So Casey is going to be on her own with the two-year-old and then their own kids. Um, they also could use support with childcare because Casey works from home. So from like 8.30 till 2, she is in meetings and trying to get work done. So if you would like to go hang out with a two-year-old on Monday or Tuesday, I think we have... Susan and Jen are going to be helping Wednesday and Thursday, but we're still in need of somebody for Monday or Tuesday. So there's actually, along with getting any um, communication about our aunties and uncles sign up in the back, there's also a sign-up sheet to um, help out the Faulkners this week. Um, 
So then the other big part of our aunties and uncles ministry is a care community. And what that is, is supporting a foster family just through meals. Um, should I just try it again? Hello? Oh, okay. Um, yes. So we, yesterday we had a care community to, um, at the park to take care of the Rapkin kids. They have um, two biological kids. Um, and we were recently paired with a single woman in um, Encinitas who's becoming a foster parent for the first time. Two weeks ago, she got her first placement, a five-year-old girl. So right now, we're just trying to love on her with some meals as we, and then kind of hear from her what else would be helpful to her to feel supported. And the big reason that we um, want to do care communities is that research sh shows, or statistically, um, and after a year of being a foster parent, 80% um, of people quit fostering. Um, but if you have a care community, only 20% of people quit. 80% so, versus 20%. Yeah. The difference is caring for them. So um, obviously, like if every single foster family had a care community, then we have a lot more foster families. Um, and just we want our foster families to feel supported. Um, yeah, so that's our aunties and uncles ministry. Feel free to ask me anything about that or sign up in the back if you can help out with the Faulkners this week or um, just if you want more communication about what we're doing. Um, I'm also going to share briefly, Andy had asked me to talk with um, Jane at World Relief, what is it called? World Relief SoCal. So they support, um, it's a Christian organization that supports refugees here in San Diego, um, just to see kind of if there's opportunities for us to serve there. And she told me, all the things that they have, that they have needs for. So I'm just gonna kind of mention those things so that we can discern as a community if any of those things are things that we would want to be involved with. Um, so you can also be a host family for refugees. So if you have a guest bedroom, you could sign up to host um, maybe just a couple without kids. Like you can say however much space you have. So maybe you have a couple bedrooms, you could host a like family with kids. If you just have one bedroom, you could maybe host a couple. Um, she was saying especially with um, Ukrainian refugees, this is a big need because they don't get the same support from our government that other refugees do. Um, so they don't have like the funding for for a places to stay right when they get here. Um, there's training for like every single one of these opportunities. Um, there's also good neighbor teams, which is kind of like a care community. Um, and you commit to six months of walking alongside them, and mostly what you're doing is like helping them figure out how to like live in America. So you'll like take them to the grocery store for the first time and like help them figure that out. Maybe you'll take them to the laundromat or help them figure out how to use public transportation or like paperwork that they need to do, like setting up a bank account, like stuff like that, which is really cool and really helpful. Um, there are things that they do at the border. They do like a once a month trip to the border to minister to the refugees there. That one's a little bit harder because it's a weekday, but it is a really cool thing that they have going on. There's also really easy, we could do welcome baskets. So we would buy like a big container and we'd all contribute like toiletries, toilet paper, um, dish soap, like all kinds, you know, um, quarters for laundry, just things to make it easier. When people get here, they're usually living in a hotel um, at first to just make it so that they have the basic things that they need. Um, delivering a, a dinner to a refugee, like the first week that they get here that they're staying in a hotel is um, a big need that they have. There's also a Christmas opportunity we could do as a church to um, 
help. They're doing a Afghan and Syrian um, Christmas like night for some refugees. I think it's in El Cajon, so we could like host a table there. There's help serve dinner. It's like a, a fr- kid friendly um, night, and then. Um, they need people with trucks to help transport donated furniture is a big need they have. Um, and then also tutoring both adults who are like getting ready to take their citizenship tests or they're just trying to learn English. And then they have tutoring for kids too because the parents can't help them with homework. So the kids are trying to learn English and they have nobody to help with homework. Wow. So yeah, a lot of opportunities. They all come with training. Some are a lot easier than others and a lot less commitment than others. So yeah, I just wanted to share that. Great. Thanks, Claire. And Claire is uh, serving the kids right now. So thank you. So that is a bit of the organize. And you would hope that the organize would be give you organic opportunities. So that's beautiful, those opportunities. Also, um, as we're talking about the organic, I wanted to have Roxanne come up. Roxanne's on our support team. And just for her to process how her and Eric and Oakley and even Willow serve within their general vicinity. Well, it's hard to top. You don't have, there's no topping. What you're doing is you're stirring that, sure, you're stirring. so many great ideas. Orphans and widows, right? So um, Eric and I and Oakley and our dog Willow, we right. live on uh, Solana Circle, which Alex knows what that is. It's, it's uh, I think the average is probably 75, maybe. So there's a lot of widows um, and elderly folks that don't get around much, um, but uh, that need, you know, that just 